Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeons and & Dragons and & Drunks. Ladies and gentlemen, last time on Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks, Bernie uses the peritons they just killed to perform a divination ritual, finding out that Carlton was not the only one who survived the attack on his tribe years ago. The heralds collect the final moonflowers they need and head back into town, only to discover Asok M. Karthra and a group of his guards suspiciously hanging around a bunch of damaged and destroyed statues. After investigations and accusations, and the group being mere moments away from a fight. Fortunately, Knight Commander Laro's Tough and his men show up. They vouch for the party and force Asok to leave. Bernie, Jonathan, and Carlton attempt to reattach an arm of one of the damaged town folk's statues while Travancore delivers the moonflowers to Kyla. She lets them know to return in the morning when the salves are ready. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren, aka Obocrazy, and I am drinking creamy rich goodness i have some uh, hot chocolate with baileys because hot chocolate and baileys because chocolate and chocolate and chocolate because why not bernie what are you drinking tonight water <laughs> h2o <laughs> yeah i've been sick and um at brunch yesterday morning i was like i'll just take a bunch of cold medicine i'm fine and when you take a bunch of cold medicine and then you have, like, a boozy brunch, it gets really boozy really quick. Oh. And so yes. I was like, okay, maybe I'm not fine. <laughs> That's all right. Water is the drink of choice of the Heralds of Greenest. Carlton, what are you drinking? I'm drinking. It's not specifically designed for my character, but it's very D&D related. It's by Clown Shoes Brewery, and it's called the Arch Druid. It is a red ale that's aged in Irish whiskey barrels, and it's delicious. And it's got some fun flavor text for, here's the label of it. And it reads, The Arch Druid needed a ride to the ceremonies at the National Edisfad of Wales, eager to preside over the crowning of the bard. Short on timber, he used ancient magic to lash immobilized leprechauns into a river-worthy raft. Notice the bejeweled chalice floating by the side of the archdruid? It's filled with this Irish red ale we age in Irish whiskey barrels. And it's something which I'm assuming is either druidic or Gaelic, neither of which I can read. <laughs> you didn't roll that the, those languages when you rolled this character? Uh, well, I'm not allowed to roll druidic, but no. no you, you are. It's just going to take a while. Travancore, what are you drinking? Hello, enablers. The Viceroy's choice this evening is a cocktail of my own crafting. I call it the Death Egg Zone. So what oh it is... Oh my god. Why do all of your drinks look neon to me? They're so, so green. That one is That's neon. So this green. one's that pretty is, green. You had that neon blue a while ago. This this is pretty close to neon looks green. looks like fucking ecto-cooler. It looks like rocket whore. <laughs> so, uh, there so. is blue curacao in here and also some rum. And in addition to that, there is mango juice, uh, San Pellegrino sparkling water, and the bottom is rambutan. Bit, little bits and pieces I just threw in there. That's why I call it the death egg, because like, the rambutan uh, fruit looks kind of like an egg. That looks disgusting, but it sounds delicious. I bet it tastes good. I hope that it tastes does good. Sound, it's actually not bad. <laughs> that sounds really good. I've made fun of the color of it, but that sounds good. Jonathan, what are you drinking? 
Uh, this is Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Muscular. Tonight, I am once again returning to the Tanat wine from Uruguay. Mm. And not only is, do I have a fancy drink, I have fancy stemware at last. Mm. What? Oh, Jonathan has just totally upped the game on our drink. Now. Uh, considering uh, I'm drinking out of a Buffalo Brew Pub 25th anniversary stein, I, I don't think I, I class the joint up a bit. I am also wearing a shirt that is most appropriate to my character, and I will describe it for the audio listeners after I show it to you guys. <laughs> Come with me if you want to lift. It is, in fact, an image of uh, of Pumping Iron era Arnold Schwarzenegger saying the famous Terminator 2 line, a little bit different, Come with me if you want to lift. I bought it while I was drunk. <laughs> I seriously have no memory of buying this shirt. Like, I think I saw it and I thought it was funny and it, and it just showed up a couple it weeks later. Oh, this is an Amazon online purchase. This is drunk, drunk Amazon dialing. No, this was a drunk Facebook purchase, I think. Like Whoa, those, like those worse. Facebook ads for t-shirt companies. I think I saw this on one of them. I was like, I have to have this. <laughs> that is even worse. It's probably a good thing that the Heralds of Greenness don't have access to online purchases because you guys have a decent amount of money and you we do drink a lot. We would own everything. And would have no money. We would own everything and own nothing at the same time. <laughs> Speaking of things that you own, not really. So last time, Travancore dropped off the flowers. You guys did some repair work on some statues. And you're all now meeting back up. Travancore's returning with the animal companions back in the, the racetrack area where you guys were working on these statues. And we wanted to start today with some experience because uh, you guys did almost... Mm, get into a fight. And fortunately, through some social interaction and some investigation, the fight was narrowly avoided. But you do get experience for that encounter, a total of 2,800 for the lot of you. That sounds okay. like a lot. That sounds- It does sound like a lot. Meanwhile, Travancore has returned after dropping off the flowers. It's about close to midnight at this point. As you're standing around in this racetrack area, the Tuft Guards have set up a, a pretty nice watch, including torches and that bonfire. What would you like to do? Go to sleep. I think it's time for us to go to bed, right? Yeah. yeah. It's been a long day of travel and fighting and... We we made contact arguing. with Kayla. Yeah, I don't think there's... Did we even have a room yet? We Did we check into an inn? No, no but I, I, know, I know a safe place for us to set our portal. I mean, you're about to say, yeah. Oh, that's it's been right. A while, we it's been a while since we've been to the pocket dimension. Yeah, we gotta yeah, like, check on our Modrons, make sure, like, oil their joints. Yeah, let's go to the pocket dimension. Okay. Where would you like to set up the portal? Uh, On the Eagle Shield farm. That's where it's gonna be safe. Okay. Do you have a specific place? I mean, the farm, as you know, is, is fairly expansive. Was there a specific spot you wanted to go to? Well, I was gonna see, one, I was gonna see if Kara was still awake, and if two, she was, if my old room was still available, because then we could just set it up in my room, which is in the back of the barn. You don't know any of those answers, but you certainly know how to get to the Eagle Shield farm from here. It's uh, walking probably going to take about 20, 25 minutes. So you would be arriving well after midnight. Yeah, but she's been up doing things. She's probably thinking about me, like braiding her hair. Carlton, one of these days we're going to talk about how all those things actually work. Okay. Yeah. But not now because I'm tired. Yeah. We're all very tired. 
you guys are going to follow Carlton off to the Eagle Shield farm. As I said, it's it's about a 20-25 minute walk. He winds through town down uh, a couple of nice roads to a fairly expansive plot of land with a bunch of different buildings on it. Carlton, what where was your room at it, the Eagle Shield? It was in the bo- uh, it was in the sta- back of the stables. There was a room. Okay, are you going to head straight for the stables, or are uh, you going to go? I'm going to notice. Do I want to see first? Kind of like look at the house and see if I notice any like candlelight coming from some of the rooms. Uh, as you get close to the the stables and close to the the actual house, you do see that there there seems to be on the bottom floor one or two windows are lit a little bit. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go up to them and just like tap gently on the window or the door. The window. Okay. The shutters are open. As you approach uh, and go to knock, you can see that it's looking right into the living room. And you see there's just um, one figure in the living room right now. And it's it's an older gentleman that you do recognize. It is a Mouser Eagle Shield. It is the, the father. Uh, so I kind of tap on the window and wave. Hi. He is sitting in a chair at that moment. It looks like he's smoking on a pipe. As you tap, he turns around startled. It looks like he's been up and he's definitely not trying to sleep right now. Uh, Sees you, his eyes widen a bit, and he motions you towards the door. All right, uh, I go towards the door. Uh, Invite my friends with me. We follow. All right. Uh, moments later, the front door opens a bit and Mouser Eagle Shield looks out. He's a man in about his mid to late 40s, graying temples. He looks like a, a fairly strong, hearty human man. Um, definitely, even though he's a little bit older, he, he seems to be in top shape. He's got really dark bags under his eyes. And even though his clothing is, is neat and pressed... And to most of you, it looks like for a man at midnight, he looks very well put together. Carlton, you you do know that this is a man who takes pride in his appearance, and it's not up to his specifications. He sees you, and he chuckles a bit and says, Well, I guess I should have expected this. Carlton, how you doing? And he holds he I, holds out his hand. I reach in and I gotta pull him in for the hug. He gives you a nice back slap and hug. Uh, he's just as strong as you remember. As he lets go, he looks you up and down and says, Pants! It's a nice look. Thanks. I ran into an, a situation where they came in handy. We've been trying to get you into pants for years. What? What? You know what? I don't want to know what situation you got. Sir, he put an opal in his butt. Yeah, that sounds like our, our boy. Uh, Kara mentioned that she ran into you, so I kind of figured you might be along. Uh, these these your friends? These the ones that went out looking for trouble and finding it? Uh, well, we weren't looking for it. Trouble has a habit of finding us sometimes. Uh, but we did stamp out the trouble. You know, I never was one a big fan of trouble. Uh, but we were wondering. I mean, I would love to catch up, but the hour is late. I was wondering if my old room was still available that we might be able to crash here for the evening and then catch up in the morning. He looks back at your companions and back at you and says, well, yeah, I mean, if you want to be in the stable, but I don't know if your friends are really that interested. We we have a spare room or two if you would like a real bed and a real place to sleep. Oh, that would be lovely. I just didn't want to assume or impose. But yes, if you have the space, we would be love to stay in the house. Listen, you're you're always welcome and your friends are welcome. 
just yeah, come on in, come on in. He holds the door open for the the four of you plus your animals to to enter on in. As you come in the front door, you can see that this is the living room that you guys are peering through. Carlton, it's it's both what you remember and not what you remember. Your time here was colored by this being your your first real encounter with civilization. You seem to remember this being a, a super fancy house. It was one of the reasons you kind of liked staying in the stable. And you you seem to remember just fancy furniture and fancy drapes and fancy everything. Now with a little more experience and a little uh, a little wiser in the ways of the world, this is still a really nicely put together homestead. Obviously it's well taken care of, but you know, it's older furniture, it's well cared for, worn stuff. The floors could use a little bit of scrubbing. Um it's it's not the perfect bastion of humanity that you seem to remember. Mouser leads you guys through the house, up some stairs. Uh, about halfway up the stairs, he he says, the, the rest of the house has has gone to sleep. And I know uh, Kara is asleep. She wants to get up early in the morning to go back to her friends. So of course, I'll, of course. I'll, yes. I'll take you to, I've got two rooms. <laughs> is it, will all of you be okay in two rooms? That yeah, be we'll, fine. we'll be fine. I think we'll be. We can make it manage. Okay, Carlton. You know when we have breakfast, I'll I'll see you in the morning. It is, it is good to. I'll get proper introductions in the morning. And he leads you up the stairs. It's very dark upstairs. Just kind of the light from the windows and from downstairs bleeding enough through. He leads you to an end of a hallway and motions to two doors where you can um, see the doorways are open and inside are obviously guest rooms each of them have two beds and kind of some some basic amenities he says well, most most of our help is gone for the season uh since the the racing season is about to end so we've got these extra beds i i hope everything is comfortable and i'll i'll see you in the morning i shall see you then thank you again and he nods to all of you and heads back downstairs i think it's time for us to go betty buys Yes. Are we just going to sleep here, or are we going to pocket dimension it then? Uh, I'm comfortable enough to... I mean, I know we should probably pocket dimension to check on the Modrons, but I feel comfortable enough staying in the beds. If you guys want a pocket dimension, I could sleep in the bed outside over the pocket dimension. I'm, I'm good with pocket dimension, just so I can yeah. check on the Modrons or something else. Yeah, that sounds like a really nice plan. Let's pocket dimension it, and I want to get off Coco Snoot, and I'm going to be like, this is going to be strange. <laughs> I I I give my arm to Bucks and I'm like, all right, Bucks. Um, like uh, Bernie just said, this is gonna be a little weird, but I think you of another dimension can probably handle it. <laughs> all right, who actually has the the bolt and is going to cast the teleportation circle? Jonathan has the nut, right? I, uh, I did. Yeah, oh. I thought Travancore had it. I have. It's it. been I'll, a while. <laughs> I have it. I'll do the activation. Okay. You spend the time needed and activate the teleportation circle as you hold the nut into this wooden floor. It sinks into the floor as though it's almost passing through the wood in a weird way. And then out from it shoots the the very familiar teleportation circle. You guys all gather on top of it. Or Carlton, were you staying back at the house? I'm going to stay at the house because I feel comfortable here. I feel safe here. 
Okay. So Carlton stays behind in the room. The rest of you get on the teleportation circle. And within moments, you are back at your pocket house in your pocket dimension. Yeah. Just in case Asok decides to want to, like, start some shit. I'm on the outside. Okay. Um, and Carlton, you're just going to go to sleep? Yeah, I'm going to go to bed. All right. Carlton heads to bed in the guest room. The rest of you, was there anything you wanted to do before heading to bed? I'll check on the Modrons real quick. Shower. All right. Bernie heads over to the privy to go clean up. Travancore, you, as soon as you enter, you can see Piddlesmick, Alistair Duke, and Felix are standing there almost at attention. It's still kind of an empty house. You guys really haven't had a chance or taken the time to do any decorating or buy any furniture yet so they they look like they're super happy to see you and have a lot of extra energy but as you look them over they seem to be fine hmm. okay the place is spotless wow keep up the good work guys as carlton goes just off the dream and he's like i wonder if it still smells like shit <laughs> and and bernie as you enter the privy slowly at first wary of the last time you were there no you can't there is not a single sign that anything untoward had happened in this uh, bathroom at all. And you, you get the sense that the, the Modrons have been bored and make, might be OCD cleaning this place because it's, it's white glove clean wherever you go. Anything else you want to do or are you heading to bed? I want to put on my bumblebee pajamas and get a dog, have the Modrons make up a bed for, for Coco Snoot. Okay. As you ask them to do this, they rummage around. They actually grab some of the 30-some-odd blankets you guys had taken from um, from your blanket fort from, from, you know, way back when, a couple of days ago. Blanket and forts are important. They make a, a very nice uh, collection of blankets almost into a full-on dog bed on the floor next to your bed. Cool. Time for bed. Sounds like everybody's going to bed. Um, Jonathan Buck seems unfazed by being in another dimension. I figured you could handle this, buddy. I had a yeah. feeling. Actually, um, Bucks, can you do me a solid? Can you fly up and see if there's a limit to the the dimension up top? See if they're see how pockety this pocket dimension is. Sure. <laughs> He can do that. So you you ask him to do this. You head back outside. It is pitch black outside. Once again, there's there's no sun or moon. It's just gotten dark. You ask him to do this and he begins to fly. And very quickly, he flies out of your range. And uh, so you're just going to ask him to, to keep going up until he can't go up anymore? Yeah. If, if he if he gets if he gets disoriented, come right back. I don't want to lose you, buddy. But uh, I am curious about uh, about this. He flies up um, at a cruise. He kind of circles, you know, he can't really dart straight up like a rocket ship. So he's doing lazy circles in the sky very quickly. Jonathan, he is out of your view. And about 10 minutes pass. And he's still gone 15 minutes 20 minutes and then he comes back into your consciousness below you and you glance over the side of the the stone walkway that leads to where the teleportation circle is and within a few moments you see him from below you spiraling up he sees you and kind of swoops up and over and you can 
feel a little bit of his confusion, but it, he's not, it's not surprise. It's more, oh, and he lands on your shoulder. I say, that's interesting. Well, thank you for, thank you for checking that out for us. He kind of gives a mental shrug and you get a, a very quick replay of what happened. And from his point of view, he kept spiraling up until he reached you again, which is disconcerting. But he, once again, there's no surprise. Right. I, I was kind of wondering because we didn't know how infinite this pocket dimension was, but, but that, oddly enough, makes sense. All right. Well, <laughs> like, like a thing. Thanks, buddy. And so I pull a, I pull a him an owl treat. He happily snacks on that, and he he seems happy to be up at night. His his form is well suited for the for the for the late night. So he he digs into that thing. But I assume you're going to bed. I say, yeah, I'm going to bed. But if you want to stay up a little longer, buddy, I can uh, I can carry you out if you like. He seems content to just come with you and do his thing in the room. Okay. I like bucks. I like my owl. <laughs> he is adorable. What time did you guys want to get up in the morning? Uh, I, after exactly eight hours, because uh, Carlton needs his beauty sleep, um, I'm going to wake up and immediately just head to the stables to do my chores. Okay. You do know as you fall asleep that your chores usually started at uh, the crack dawn. of dawn. Oh, I know. I know when they start, but Carlton's fucking tired. Yeah, I was about to say that is going to be about an hour and a half earlier than eight o'clock. Like it's going to be about six 30 ish. In it's going to be an hour and a half short of a long rest. It will be, or you can long rest. Uh, I'm, I'm, Carlton needs his beauty rest. Uh, normally I would go to bed earlier, um, but I will get my eight hours and immediately join into my chores where, wherever they would currently be happening. Okay. And the rest of you, same ish thing. You're going to take your eight hours and then meet up with Carlton in the morning. Yeah. All right. Consensus, yay, you guys fall asleep. Carlton in a familiar yet unfamiliar guest room in a familiar yet unfamiliar place. The rest of you in the still strange but familiar pocket dimension. You sleep soundly without issue. You get your spells back. You get your hit points back. You get, you get your everything back. Everything comes back. Eight hours pass without an issue. You wake up, have um, those of you in the pocket house have some rations that you can snack on. Carlton, when you wake up, you distinctly smell the remains of a breakfast. And as you start to head downstairs, you can see that... Question about the pocket dimension. Yes. If I go in the teleportation, do I have to, like, full body go in? Or can I, like, just put my head on it to, like, stick my head in and be like, bacon! And then pick my head back out? Or do I have to fully teleport? You don't know. All right, I want to smell the bacon. And I'll immediately just put my face against it and be like, bacon. You mean the bacon downstairs? The bacon that I'm smelling from the breakfast. I'm putting my okay. head on the teleportation circle, just my head, to see if I can like poke my head in the dimension without actually going in. And then pull out and just yell at bacon into the dimension and then pull out. Okay, you put your head on the teleportation circle. You think the thoughts that you've been taught to think to activate it. Nothing happens. Okay. All right, no bacon for them. I go downstairs. Okay. As you head downstairs, the rest of you, you're getting up, you're having something to eat, and you're heading back out to the to the homestead? Yep. That sounds yeah, good. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. 
you bamf back into the the homestead and see that Carlton is not in the room and the door is open. And he is already downstairs. Carlton, you've arrived essentially an hour and a half late to breakfast. But there is actually a very large, what looks like the leftovers are still sitting out. It looks like the normal breakfast spread for everybody uh, in this you know, it's not a farm. They don't actually farm. They're veterinarians and, and caretakers for horses, but there's still quite a lot of people who help out and work, uh, nonetheless the family. And so they, they do have a rousing breakfast that you're familiar with. It looks like someone took the time instead of putting everything away afterwards to gather up enough for you and your friends, at least, and set it out kind of in a, in a smaller pan. And there seems to be the variety of of crazy farm breakfast that you're used to, and are, are it's a little pancakes? cold, but it smells really good. Are, yes, there's spra- scrambled eggs. I know. Are there pancakes? Uh there's pancakes and uh, waffles. Mary's there's, pancakes are the best. There's pancakes and waffles. There's and as the rest of you come downstairs, you see Carlton basically standing there drooling over a a display of food that is pancakes and waffles with sugar and syrup and well, what looks like kind of a jam spread. There is bacon and sausage. There's bread on the side for toast. And then you can actually see eggs and milk and orange juice and uh, something which kind of looks like hash browns, but has a bit of a spicy scent to it. You guys have to try the pancakes. They're the best. Well, there goes my diet, and I sit down. (laughs) There are plates and uh, silverware set ready for you, and you all just kind of grab some food and sit. Yeah, I'm a bit curious about these spicy hash browns, so I definitely put that on the top of my uh, to-eat list. I grab a couple, like a handful of pancakes, and I kind of like shove in my mouth, I wave to my compatriots, and then I step outside towards the uh, barn to see where the chores are at. Okay. As the rest of you sit and enjoy some of this food, uh, Travancore, the, the spicy, it's basically hash browns. It's just got a little bit of, it's almost like a, a cayenne. It's very subtle. It's not like burning hot, but it's just enough to give it a little bit of a kick, which is nice for breakfast food because, you know, breakfast food is a lot of bland stuff. Not where I'm from, friends. <laughs> well, apparently from here, it's mostly bland stuff, but it's all, it's, as I said, it's a little cold. It's obviously been sitting for a little bit, but it's all really good. It's hearty, well-made stuff. And yeah, Carlton's right. The pancakes are friggin' delicious. I'm assuming Shadow and Bucks are joining and uh, Coco Snoot are joining in on this feast. Yeah, yes. I'll gr- yes. I'll, I'll grab a couple of strips of bacon or sausage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A couple of links what, for Shadow. What do... So I... I it, the sausage should be fine for Bucks... And the bacon probably would he have any appreciation for the pancakes? You know what? I I I would like eh. So I tear him off a piece of pancake and I, I basically ha- have him sample everything. And if he kind of turns his beak up at it, then I put it back. He's definitely more interested in the meat than he is in the grains. So yeah, the the bacon and the sausage are nice. The the pancakes, the waffles, the bread. He eats it and he mm, oh whatever. Give me more bacon. Coco Snoot. Yes, sir. (laughs) Coco Snoot, in fine doggy fashion, Bernie, whatever you're going to hand to him, he will eat gladly, and it will be gone in seconds. 
Travancore Shadow is a little more cautious, but kind of like Coco Snoot. He just gives it a sniff, and then it's gone. <laughs> Anything you hand to him is immediately gone. They're a little less discerning than the owl. Hi, I'm Travancore. You might know me from Dungeons and Dragons and Junks. We have a lot of fun on our show, but it's important to get a complete breakfast each and every day. <laughs> also, please don't have your bear eat waffles. Yeah. Because why not? I don't know. Anyway, while you guys are finishing up breakfast, Carlton, you head outside, and where exactly are you heading? Uh, I'm going to like head towards the stables, because that's usually where my chores took place, to see if like anything's in the middle of being done that I could help with. Okay, you head to the stables. It seems fairly quiet. By the time you get to the stables, you see that there's only two people there. There's uh, Mouser and Dorn are both there. Dorn is much older than you remember. You remember him being a boy your age, and he's now kind of a man. And you actually, now that you get a, a better look at him without the stress of the of everything going on and the darkness... You do realize Dorn was actually with Kara last night. That there, the, there were two people who rode in on roan horses, and he was one of them. He seems to be a, a thin, but a thin in the way that young boys, when they've just had a growth spurt, are. In where he's he's got some muscle on him. Uh, he sees you and he smiles and he runs on over to give you a hug and and says, "I I was gonna say hi last night, and then there was like assholes." Hey, little buddy, it's good to see you. Mouser gives you a smile. The two of them have been working on, uh, there's a, a couple of horses in the stables that obviously they're caring for, and they were kind of checking over one of them. As you say hi and look around, you can very clearly see most of the chores were done like an hour ago, as as is custom around here. The chores get done super fast. Oh, I know they get done early, but I have to try. Exactly. Mouser says, I, I see that you... You've you found your way outside. I hope you and your friends enjoyed the breakfast that we left for you. It's... Mary's pancakes are as best as always. I know, right? Yeah, I'm not gonna. This stomach is gonna get bigger every single time I indulge in those pancakes. But how do you say no? You don't. Mm. So, what's your plan for today? What's I? Are your friends still inside? Is that? Uh, yes, they're finishing up on? breakfast. I, uh, I grabbed a handful and came out because I wanted to at least try to make myself useful. While I was here, even though it is an hour and a half late. But hey, face does like this doesn't stay as pretty without a full night's rest, right? It sounds like you had kind of a busy night last night. I I don't blame you for wanting to sleep in a little bit. No, there's there's no time with Asok that doesn't age us all tremendously. But he's definitely become more powerful since you've left. Be I know I know you were careful while you were here the last time, but he's still a force to be reckoned with, even if he is. And you see Melser kind of stop and think about it for a while, and, and you know that he is a very well-even-tempered man that tries to see the best in people, and as he pauses, uh, Dorn speaks up and says, he's an asshole, Dad! He's just a fucking asshole. And Melser kind of smiles. From the says, kitchen, oh, you hear somebody go, you're damn right! <laughs> Fuck that guy! That's why we called him Ask Can't Cash, little buddy. They all they all take a, a smile, and Mouser says, So, Kara told me about what happened the night that you left, but I'd like to hear it from you if you've got a moment. Sure. Uh, uh, so I take a minute, and I kind of, like, 
no, wait, no, that's no. And I kind of like recollect my thoughts. You know, it's been a couple of years. And as anybody tries to remember something from a few years ago, it takes a moment. Uh, but I explained to him that Kara and I were out on the town uh, and we had a few drinks and uh, Asok started running his mouth like he could. He insulted Kara, saying that she wasn't she was a commoner, a peasant, uh, not worthy of land or title. All the asshole things he would say and insulted her honor. And so I slapped him in the face. As I would, because nobody talks to Kara like that, or anybody of your family. Uh, and then I realized what I did, and he called the guards, and Kara told me to run, and I ran too far. I ran about five years too far. At that, Melser speaks up and says, honestly, I, I don't think that was too far. It's, it's been, been a while, but I think that's... It's probably the wisest thing you could have done in that moment, and that sounds a lot like what Kara said when she came home. And I kind of like slap him on the back. And I'm not one for being known to be wise. <laughs> you've had your struggles with, you know, numbers and letters, but you've, you're not, you're more perceptive than you think. Between us, I still can't math very well. And neither can the others. Speaking of the others we at this point. Uh, on that one, my friend. We've got it all covered over here. <laughs> well, actually, at this point, you guys have had a chance to to finish your breakfast. Would you like to come on out and and meet up? What what would you like to do? I'll go out and say hi to the people that open up their home to us. Yeah, we should go be introduced. It's only polite. You guys finish up breakfast and head on outside. You you saw where Carlton went. It's pretty easy to see the stables across the way. Join him and Malser comes forward at this point and says, "Now, now that we've." had a chance to get some sleep and it's the light of day let me let me actually introduce myself and he holds his hand out to each of you and introduces himself as Malser Eagleshield and uh that he is the head veterinarian here at this ranch and that you, know, you guys are welcome to stay as long as necessary thank you for your hospitality Travancore Viceroy of Glen I shake his hand the rest of you introduce yourself at all you're just like yo dude what's up Hey, what's up? I'm Bernie. What day of the week is it, by the way? Um, what day of the week? Hold on. She knows. It's the sixth day of the week. This is the first week of the 10 day, or the first 10 day of the month. So it's it's day six of the, the 10 day. So they don't have like Monday in this universe. Not quite. So Not quite. The, way the, the way the calendar works is there's 12 months in the year. Uh, there's three weeks in every month, and each week is made up of 10 days. And they basically say it's the, the first day, second day, third day of the second week. You guys are in the month of Uktar, which is the rotting. It's the basically the 11th oh. of 12 months, which is it's later than that. You guys are almost into winter. It's been... Well, you and you know that. It's been cold. There's been snow. Uh, you've gotten through the fall so but yeah it's it's day six of the week and then i introduce bernie i said to door i say new little buddy this is old little buddy old little buddy new little buddy what's up my dude have you heard the good word he comes over and shakes your hand he's a scrawny human still way taller than you but he's got a big bright smile on his face and he says uh, what word is that bay's word oh are you religious it's in the job description, yeah. Oh, well, I don't know what job you guys have. I mean, uh, 
Pa always says that you guys were god pawns, but I didn't really understand what that meant. And Mouser kind of elbows him a little bit and says, uh, Carlton's found, he's found his his fate, I think. I got, what? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a conversation later maybe when you're bleeding on the floor about whether or not i'm a god so, how about that? bernie and by extension her goddess queen bay make sure i can come back and have conversations with you <laughs> bernie go ahead and roll a history check and the rest of you can as well as you hear him call you god pawns if you'd like to roll some history checks sure I got a one. All right. Bernie got a natural one. Uh, Carlton? A uh, six. Uh, so, Bernie, uh, with the natural one, what, what's your actual score? Did you have anything to add to that? No. All right. So, natural one. We got six. Travancore? 13. And Jonathan? 15. Bernie, Carlton, and Travancore? God pawns? What? And yeah, Bernie, you would you would probably be very confused by that, considering your relationship with, with Bay. Jonathan, you do remember reading about this a little bit. God pawns are a, they're a rural term that you've heard used for essentially people like you, adventurers, people who go out and are martial men, uh, wizards, people who are not really beholden to a sedentary lifestyle. It's it's used both in the derogatory way, but also in kind of the in the envious way. The god pawns are people who have been chosen by gods by fate to go do great deeds, essentially. And you've actually heard a couple of different versions of that, some which are less derogatory, but you know, that's essentially what he's calling you. He Malser looks at you, Bernie, and apologizes. He says, I'm I'm sorry, that's it's not exactly what I meant. I just meant that Carlton was never meant for a life here on the farm. That, And he looks over at you, Carlton, and says, I, I think that was obvious. Even if you had not had that run in with Asok, I, I don't think you would have been content just shoeing horses. I mean, it's better than, you know, don't get me wrong. I love the wolf family, but it was nice knowing where to go and being part of a pack again. So... Yeah, you're right. I probably would. I probably need a pack. And for a time, you guys were my pack. And there's nothing wrong with needing uh, friends, family. Those are all good things. But you have had the chance to choose your family several times. And those that get the chance to do that seek out family that are going to support them in all of the ways that they can be better people. And he looks at all of you. He looks at Shadow. He looks at Bucks. He sees uh, some of the fancy weapons you guys have and the the nicer armor and the newer clothes you guys bought in Waterdeep and your bearing and the way that you... The, the crackling of energy and and drive around you. And he says, this is, this is a more appropriate family for you. Oh, understood. I, but... You guys were there for me when I needed it, and it, I will be forever grateful. You will always yep. be part of my family, if not my extended family. And if we can be a part of that family, even even in the past, then I'm happy with that. But for the moment, I gotta get back to taking care of the nag over here. Did you did you need anything? Or nope, Cara I was has... just coming to offer a hand. Ah, uh, we've we've got that taken care of, and. 
as he says that and Dorn sighs and he says, well, I had a lot of it taken care of. And Malser elbows him again. <laughs> and he says, if you guys were looking to catch up with Kara, she went back into town about an hour ago. She was looking to to keep an eye on everybody there. Sounds about right. Um, is uh, And I kind of like I'm hesitant because I don't it's been a while and he was old. And I, I, I say, and I mean no disrespect, but you know how I am with words. Is old Pa still around? Mouser sighs and says, he passed away two years ago. He was, he was a scrappy old man. And Pelor says that I can live as long as he can, then I'll be, I'll be grateful. But yeah, he, he caught, he caught some. Something nasty in the winter about two years ago passed away. Condolences. He was he was always kind to me. As you all were. There's a moment as he kind of composes himself and then he obviously deliberately moves on to happier topics. And he says, but if you if you're going back into town to see Kara, uh, Miri is also in town she had to go pick up some some things if you run into her i'm sure she would be more than happy to see you i would love to see him i would love to see mob to town i have some business to take care of as well all right and he and his son go back to taking care of the horses uh is there anything else you guys would like to do or are you heading back into town let's walk into town uh, i want to stop by the blacksmith so i can get, drop off my axe to be silvered Okay, are you going to go there first? Do you want to... As long as it's on the way. Uh, if it's not on the way, then I on will... On the way to what? Give me give me a marching order here. Are you just... Town is a big place. Are all of you just following Carlton? What I do you guys want to do? I thought we were going to go check on the stuff. Yeah, we got to go to the alchemist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Carla. my destination. Same. Carlton had a momentary, like, ADD type thing. He's like, oh, family. Oh, wait, shit to do. Wait, family. Shit. Family. Shit. Ah, I don't know what to do. Somebody else take charge. Okay, Let's go see we're Carla. gonna walk into town and see Kayla, and I'm going to comment. Well, at least you didn't sleep with her, Carlton. Who, Kayla? No. What? What was her name? The one that you think is braiding her hair and thinking of you? Oh, Kara. Kara. Well, I we did, did a long time ago. Yeah. Well, her dad sure as shit doesn't know about <laughs> it. I tell you that right now. Yeah. She what? did an awful yeah. good job of hiding it. Yeah, so we, we used to sneak around the back of the barn. Oh, I'm really glad we didn't stay in that barn then. I'm going to tell you right now, if her dad ever finds out, he's not going to greet you with a handshake. <laughs> All right, you guys are heading into town. You're going to see Kyla, the alchemist? Yep. It doesn't take you long to get back into town. It's actually kind of a, a nice day. It's cleared up a little bit. And as you get back into town, you see that Amphail has now kind of calmed down a little bit from the craziness of the day before people are out and about you get a lot of you get a lot of curious looks nobody is outright hostile it's more just your strangers in town um it's a little off-putting between Waterdeep, where nobody gives 10 shits about anybody and greenest where you guys were well known it's it's feels a little odd to be walking around a small town again and be the object of attention but 
there's no malice behind any of it. It's all just huh, new people. You make a, a line straight for uh, Kyla's herbalist shop. And as you guys enter Travancore, you and Shadow are grateful to see that the, the smell from the night before has abated. <sighs> there's still a lingering pungent odor in the air. It's kind of a it, it, there's like a sour note in the air. That's pretty bad. But it's bearable. And as you guys enter, you see Kyla is in the back. She's got her head down on the desk and is snoring softly. Around her is this riot of used equipment and bits and pieces of everything. And in front of her head is a rack with vials of this pale grayish oil in them. And you can see uh, 21 vials are lined up. And she is just head down. I want to... I want to get very close to her face. Very, very close to her face. <laughs> Without waking her up? Yes. Well, roll a stealth check. You know, as a human being, I'm really good at doing this. I would just like to say. As as a, a gnome, Bernie, let's see how good you are. I got a six. Damn it. I just want to get really close. And I just want to be like. Wait, what armor are you wearing? Kayla, wake up. Thought it was Kyla. God, whatever. I don't fucking care. <laughs> Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> okay, Bernie starts to creep into Wait, the Wait, hold on. I'm proficiency in heavy armor. Does that help? That means you can wear it. Oh. But it still affects your some of your stats, like, say, your stealth. Because, you know, you're in heavy armor. Clank, clank, it, it, clank. You don't take a huge detriment to it. Like, if you weren't proficient in it, you'd be practically unable to move. But, you know, you're not the most stealthy person. With a nine, you... Don't manage to bump anything along the way. There, there's a lot of random stuff in, in this kind of this front shop area. You go behind the counter. You start to creep up to where she is. And you hadn't noticed that the mess that's on the tables is also kind of all over the floor. In fact, there's a little bit of broken glass. And so your foot just kind of crunches. It's not very loud, but Kyla's got her head down. And before you can get terribly close to her she <laughs> oh we're back oh this is incredibly disappointing i am i oh i did not realize that i'd fallen asleep i finished and i'm oh it's oh it's morning we should we should go and she yes we should go up. She stands up very quickly, knocking her chair over. Um, she grabs the, there's the wood, basically, holder of all of these vials. And she says, I finished. The, there should be plenty here for everybody. There's even a couple of extra, but I, I didn't get exact numbers. So why don't we go? We can take care. I'll show you how to use everything. Um, the, the lead on I follow, and she's kind of cradling this collection of of vials Kyla, that are all stoppered and kyla i apologize i wasn't able to make payment uh to you personally last night we were preoccupied with trying to mend a arm oh that's fine i was not terribly concerned this is this is the concern right now and she's uh motions to the the oils that she has in her hand she says please let let's go let's let's make sure that these people are saved as quickly as that we can agreed let's go so yeah, so as we walk there, I was like, so how does this work? Like, we can't put it in their mouth because their mouths are a rock. Oh, no, of course not. No, this is not a potion. This is this is an, an, an oil. And she goes to pull one out and then thinks twice about it and puts it back and kind of just holds up the whole 
the whole thing to show you. Uh, now that you're in the light, you can see that what was kind of a, a grayish thick oil has a little bit of a green tint to it. And it, it it sloshes around in the vial very slowly. Like whatever this oil is, it's super viscous. It's almost syrup. And she says, it's it's actually very simple. You, we just need to, each of, each of these vials should be enough to cover most people. I, I assume that there was nobody who was petrified who was, say, and she points to you, Carlton, no one of your size, correct? There almost was, but there wasn't. There was almost a Carlton-sized statue out there for all to gaze upon in all of its glory. <laughs> well, I am I'm glad all to- All shall fear it in despair. I am very glad to know that that did not happen. The, there would probably be enough in a vial. We might have had to use two, but one vial should be plenty for every person. You just cover the person in the, the salve. It takes a about a minute, and as as long as it's not been a week, we should be uh, totally fine. These people should be, I've done this before, and we should be totally fine. Yeah, I only asked so that way when we reach there, we can kind of each take a couple and hit up a couple spots and cut down on the time instead of just oh, one at a time. That was exactly the, the thought that I had. Well, See, yes. I knew you, uh, you, you're a smart one. I could tell, just like me. Kyla, how often have you had to do this? To be honest, in the past, not very often. Uh, as you can imagine, getting the the main ingredients, the the stomach fluids of the basilisk, or uh, there's some parts of the uh, cockatrice that you can use for this. Those are very difficult to come by. But recently, I had a, a fairly large order from one of the houses in town. They wanted to get a whole bunch, and they were able to provide me with the the innards that I needed of basilisks. What house was that? I'm gonna guess Amcarthra. No, actually, the Amcarthras um, were not involved. The the Amcarthras were, were not involved. This was actually the the Pasarek family, which I I don't know exactly why they wanted so much, but they they paid very well, and that's all I care about. And they were able to provide the the main ingredient, so I was able to make quite a bit for them. Would you have any use for periton livers? Uh, no, they taste horrible. Yeah, but they are really good for poking, let me tell you what. Yes, if you're into that kind of thing, I guess. And she gives you, Bernie, a very concerned look and then just goes back to walking. <laughs> With a... <laughs> <laughs> Carlton, you are a little familiar with the Passerac family. They they were a newer family in town uh, just before you left. They are a smaller breeding house, and all you knew because they were they were just basically taking residence before you fled. You don't know too much, but the name sounds familiar. Okay. At this point, you guys have arrived back at the racetrack. You can see that the Tufts are still there doing their rounds on their giant black chargers. The fires are still going, even though it's now well into the morning. There's now a number of townspeople who have come to 
basically look upon their loved ones and you do see that Kara Eagleshield is back she's once again standing near two of the statues that she'd been standing near before of a, a man and a woman that Carlton you vaguely recognized and she sees you and, and waves to you and as you come on over Bernie roll a perception check I shit. I'm not perceptive. It's because I'm sick. <laughs> Bernie has a fucking cold. She can't remember anything. She's not perceptive. She just wants to go back into the pocket dimension and sleep through this day. She got a nine. You don't necessarily notice anything more than you did last night. It's you're kind of still. This is not a fun place to be. And after last night, you'd rather just finish this job and get out of there. As you guys approach, Kyla holds out the the container that includes all of these salves and says, please, if you want to take a couple, I'll take a couple. We'll, we'll get this all done as quickly as possible. And if you guys would like to help, if not, she's just going to start. I'm gonna... She basically puts the, the container on the ground, grabs one of the vials, uncorks it. And you watch as she goes to the nearest statue. It's one of the the people uh, nearby, actually, where Kara is standing. She pours the salve on top of the head of this gentleman who's been petrified. It comes out very thick and viscous. It, as I said, it's almost molasses-like. And as, as soon as all of it has left the vial, she then uses her hands to start to spread it all over this statue, just you know, grabbing uh, bits of it and and spreading it almost like paint. Do you guys want to help? Yeah, I grab two and I head over to the two statues by uh, Kara. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? You guys are just grabbing yeah, some. Yeah, I'll, and- I'll, I'll grab help some too. And go. Okay. I need to find. I mean, like, I don't know. Somebody's gonna have to give me a boost. Or uh, Bernie, you can on Coco Snoot. You can take care of at least. There's no children, thankfully, that have been petrified, but there are quite a few human women who are on the shorter side. That with you on Coco Snoot, you can reach high enough. There, there's even not a child, but a younger man or two that you can reach. So um, you don't even really need a boost. You just kind of have to pick and choose a little bit more. It takes about 10 to 15 minutes to kind of move through this crowd, move over to the other group of statues and get everybody covered. By the time you're done and have returned to Kyla to give her the empty vials, you can see the first couple of people that that were treated, uh, especially the people that she started to treat, it's... It's almost like they're no longer statues. The gray has started to fade. And now it's more like there's more color to these people. And over the course of the next couple of minutes, you see the gray fade and the color return. And one by one, these townspeople stumble as they were in the middle of most of them fleeing and catch themselves most of them dizzy, disoriented. They A couple stumble to the ground. One or two of them kind of manage to steady themselves and, and immediately start to ask questions. You know, oh, what happened? What's going on? I don't... Ah. The, the tuft guards are very quick to start to... They've dismounted and have started to help people as, as they've come out of this condition they were in and you know help them to the stands where they can sit down many of these people 
they've come out of it okay, but they're weak and disoriented. Carlton, the two that you go after, the two that you recognize that Caro was standing by, as you come on over with two of the vials, she actually immediately just takes one of them from your hand and starts to treat the the woman that was standing there, and you treat I the man. I pop the cork and dump it on the man and start uh, caressing him with the, the oil. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of a same... good word for that, and I'm like, you know what? I'm caressing the man. That's what I'm that's, doing. That's as good Carlton as going to get. Kara <laughs> is doing much the same, although it's more frantic movements. She is trying to do this as quickly as possible, and same process. The the two of them very slowly kind of come back to life. The gray fades, the color returns. The man stumbles a bit as he was kind of looking behind him as they were running and almost stumbles right into you, Carlton. I kind of catch him up and be like, you're safe now, friend. Yeah. And he he has kind of a, a glassy-eyed disorientation, but it starts to fade. Um, the woman comes to and starts to fall to her knees, and Kara quickly grabs her, and you hear Kara say, Avanthea, are you okay? And the woman that she's holding on to says, I... What, what happened? I don't... Oh, I have a terrible headache. I, Kara, I don't... And she turns to Kara... And as she's asking this question, Kara immediately kisses her. And the two of them, for a moment, the woman kind of a little shocked and then relaxes into it. Kara is intent. And as they finish their kiss and she moves away, Kara, you can see, has tears on her face. And she says, I thought I'd lost you. I don't, I don't know what I'd do if, if this had been permanent. And... The woman has a little bit of shock on her face and says, I, well, and I love you too, but what happened? I don't even, I don't even know what happened. And Kara helps her up and says, let's, let me get you somewhere we can sit. I can tell you, tell you everything. Just, um, my friends saved you. And she points to you, Carlton, as well as the rest of you. And it's, it's kind of a long story, but uh, they saved you. They saved. They saved everybody. I I awkwardly wave, and I then I go up to Carlton, wave. and uh, I go. I put my hand on his shoulder, so I have to do this. I'm like, well, she looks happy, buddy. Yeah. I give the slightest, barely perceptible head nod, like so. <laughs> I wave and I go hello, and and Bernie in her head is like not surprised at all. Kara has, now that she's kind of indicated the four of you as saviors, has now refocused her attention on Avanthea, this woman that she's, she's helped, and is just locked eyes on her. Avanthea sees you guys wave, nod, everything, and she gives you all friendly, but I, I don't know why, what's going on, waves, and then is ushered quickly away. Carlton, the man that you are helping, has has managed to steady himself, and he says, well, I guess I'll follow my sister and figure out what happened, but thank you. Thank you for uh, for all, everything, I guess. And he follows the two of them. Bernie would like to find the person whose arm she repaired. And Oh, yes, yes. I would also, I would also like to find her. Okay, the two of you give me perception checks. Because we know that's going to turn out As I walk over great. with Jonathan, I'm like, well, that ship sailed. 
while you guys look around for this person, Kyla has returned. She's got two vials left in her collection. She takes one out and puts it in her pocket. And Travancore, since everybody else seems to be a little distracted, she actually hands it over to you and she says, I would like to think that I only need one more of these. So I would like you to have the last one. I, I think I, I think it's only fair that you have one just in case in your travels you encounter these beasts again. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for your help, Kyla. Thank you. Thank you for yours. Without all of you and your your help at the very last minute, I don't know if I could have done this in time to save as many as we did. So Travancore, you can write down that you now have one vial of soft salve, and I'll send you the information on that later. But obviously it is a treatment for a petrified being. Let's all go get petrified. No. Well, it's good for one person. It's a and Carlton, we know it's gonna barely be enough for you. One one being. It's a good enough for like four of Bernie though, right? We come across no. any gnomes and it's like It would you know what? It would be good for you and Bucks. Because it, most of it would be used up by you. There might be enough left over for Bucks. I feel Maybe. like this is a cell that sizes itself to the quandary at hand. That about <laughs> that about right? It's it's a single use item. Yeah. Bernie, what was your perception check? 16. And Jonathan? Uh, 12. Okay. Jonathan, you are a little too distracted by everything going on. And now that everybody is alive and moving and colorful, you, you're having a hard time kind of picking somebody out. Bernie, you, you spent a lot of time examining this statue. And so color or no color petrification or no petrification you recognize a face when you see it you also recognize the gentleman walking away he's being aided by another gentleman it looks like a friend of his is kind of helping him along the two of them are kind of helping each other they seem to be okay he's got both his arms although you do notice that the arm that you had worked on it is attached but it's hanging limply at his side i want to run after him and be like sir Sir, excuse me, you with the arm. He eventually turns around at, at you calling, and he looks down at you and he says, uh, yeah? Might I inquire about the arm? Oh, yeah, I'm, I guess we got uh, turned to stone or something, and I, I it's still, it's like, uh, it's like it hasn't woken up yet, I can't. I can't move it. I'm, mm. I'm guessing it's just going to take a little while. I want to. I, I don't know. I don't know how this works. So when you were turned to stone, your arm fell off. My. That one. What? The one that doesn't work. It was on the ground for a little while. I put it back on. Okay. I would like to see if you don't mind what happened. Yes, please. I'm a doctor. <laughs> a god okay. doctor. I'm a god doctor. That's basically i just it's out of professional interest would like to take a look yes please thank you did you did you say my arm fell off actually i i sir between me and you and literally everybody you'd like to tell about this i highly suspect that someone purposefully knocked it off because well we should have two more people here but some of those statues were um 
someone decapitated one and crumbled up another. And I'm not saying that it rhymes with Ramkartha, but it does. Amka. That's that's the name of the family, guys, right? <laughs> yes. If my arm fell off, then why is it? It's right here. Oh, oh because when I, you were a statue, I put the arm back on and I magicked it back onto your statue body. Because your soul hadn't died yet, but the other two had. Lady, I'm not sure if I really understand what you're trying to say. Can you wiggle your... <laughs> Can you wiggle your fingers for me? He wiggles the other hand, oh, without a problem, looks down at the arm that you had reattached and goes, No, oh, they... They don't... They... No. No? no. Okay, here, um... I'm going to have Coco Snoot, like, lift me up, and I'm going to ask him to, like, bend down, and I'm going to grab his arm, and I'm going to start tapping. You know, like, doctors tap with their, like, knuckle? Well, you've got something better than that. I would love for you to roll a medicine check. That's true. That's a thing. Medicine. That is a thing. That is a thing you can do. I think this is, like, my second favorite voice of Lauren NPCs. That's, I know, that's just, like, oh, that's a 14 plus 3. The first being town guard. And so that'd be a 17. 17. It's a very misinformation from Hysteria vibe. <laughs> well, imagine if this had happened to you and some <laughs> small gnome just ran up. You know. Yeah, that's the voice I would use. <laughs> With a 17, as you take his arm, if you, even without knowing what it, the whole story of what had happened to this arm, it's a dead weight in your hand. And as you look to kind of the part just beyond the shoulder that had been where it had broken off, it's very clearly crooked and it's attached. Like the skin seems okay. But if you didn't know the story, you'd almost think that the arm was broken. As you feel around and kind of probe with both your your medicine sense and a little bit of your divine sense, it's attached in the sense that everything is connected, but it's almost like it's not healed. It's almost like this arm got broken and then wasn't healed correctly because it wasn't attached. This was set wrong. This whole thing is just wrong. So what does Bernie have to do? Roll a malpractice check. (laughs) (laughs) If certain people had been protected by the good Samaritan law. If certain people had been better at holding the fucking arm on, this wouldn't have been a problem. So if I go down, I'm taking literally all of you with me. If it needs re-breaking, I might know a guy. We're not re-breaking this poor man, actually. (laughs) (laughs) As you say this, the gentleman whose arm you're holding says, "Um, Ma'am, I would prefer not to have it broken. Again? I don't even remember it being broken in the first place. I just pinch the skin and ask, can you feel this? And you know, like, when you take two knuckles and you, like, really pinch? Oh, when you do that below the break point, he, nope, nope. And as soon as you get above the break point, he goes, oh, yeah, right there, yeah, no, I feel that. Uh Uh-huh. So, um, question for the DM. Can I just, can I just heal him? You can certainly try. That's going to fix this right. Like, I can literally bring somebody back from the dead with a healing spell. I should be able to just healing spell this and fix it, right? You can try. Can I do an ins- can I do a religion check to see if my, to see if my, like, um. This isn't a religious thing. Yeah, but my I mean, clerical unless you powers pray- stem from a deity, so I should do some kind of check to see if there's, like, 
well, yeah, but it's not, you're not praying to Bay to fix the arm. You're, you're using your healing powers. All right. Now that you've examined it a little bit closer with your medicine check from before, it's obvious that this hasn't been attached quite right. And you feel like it's worth trying to heal. It's obviously damaged. So you think healing might work? All right. We're going to do the healer. No. Yeah. We're going to do the healer's kit, which is 1d6 plus 4 plus my wisdom modifier. Okay. How many more healer's kits do you have, by the way? It's one per day. No, but I mean like, so when you use it, you use it up. So you have a finite number of them. This might be my I know Leosian gave you a couple many, many, many moons ago. We can buy you... we can buy some more if This uh, is it. Or... This is it then. This is the last one, and then I'll have right. to buy more. We shopping montage. It's kind of like a spell slot. When you use it, you use it up. You don't reset. It, it is a first aid kit. Uh, when you use the first aid kit, you've used it up. Alright, go ahead and so do your magic. How many hit points? Thirteen. Does that heal? But okay. it's all going to the arm, right? So it's just like a big like psh- that should take care of some serious nerve damage. Between your healing and the healing in this kit, it takes a couple of minutes. And by the end of it, when you test the arm again, he still can't move it, but he can now feel some sensation. So when you ask him to move his fingers, he still can't move his fingers. He still can't really move anything. But when you tap on the arm, he now says that he can feel the tapping. Well, that's an improvement. And it's way better than having no arm at all, am I right? Well, yeah, absolutely. I, listen, if I understand it correctly, it's way I I wouldn't be alive right now if it wasn't for you. So, arm or no arm, I'm I'm going to be grateful for that. I I'll keep working on the arm. I mean, maybe maybe more of it'll come back, but I I got this one. I can ride a horse with one arm. That's that's good. That's real real good. Um you might want to find yourself a physical therapist. I don't know what that is. Yes, um, someone in your town will have a dictionary. That will help. Bernie, you get the sense that's not a dictionary thing. You've just said something that doesn't exist. <laughs> not in Faerun. It might be something that... Uh, might be something that conditioning gets better with time. I just invented it so it exists. Get your friend here. Hello, friend. I'm sorry you've been mostly excluded from this conversation. You're going to help him learn to move his arm again. I'm not. No, but I'll take him to the healer in town. How about how about that? How about we do that? That could work, too. Yeah, uh, I, that makes sense. I'll I'll go. I'll go. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. But seriously, if you're looking for a career change, physical therapist, it's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? I, I, I guess, but can I do that with one arm? Totally. Okay. I'll find one, and then I'll become one, and then I'll I'll be one, I guess. Pay it forward! They wander off a little more confused than they were moments ago, but he can now feel his arm for saving all of the townspeople that he could... And not deciding that, you know, you want to instead just run away and say, screw it. You guys get 4,750 experience for the lot of you. Someone math. 1,187.5. People are starting to slowly leave. You hear 
uh, joyous exclamations. You hear quiet, um, happy sobbing. You hear just in general sounds of of relief and joy as people are coming back to themselves. The uh, people who have taken a moment after they've been revived are now kind of recovered enough that they've started to head back into town or head home. The tuft guards are starting to clean up the bonfire now that obviously it's not needed anymore. Uh, one of the guards comes on over to the four of you. He bows his head and he says, my lord, bid thanks if this was successful. He has arranged for more to come by to take care of the two that could not be saved. And he indicates the two statues that unfortunately were destroyed during this. And he says, he asked me to convey to you that he is um, grateful for your assistance. And he uh, says, you are welcome by the, the Tuft house at any time and just ask for him. Thank you. I give him, I give him my thanks and uh, I say... Uh, we shall be calling upon Sir Sir Laris, uh shortly because we have some questions about what happened. But for now, we I think we shall let him rest because he had has a long night like us. <laughs> and he nods his head and he mounts his horse again and, and joins his compatriots. Kyla has taken her salve and headed back into town and. Uh, looks like the town is saved. Yay! Yay! You're standing there in the field. It is early morning. Well, at, at this point, it's like 10, 1030. It's mid-morning. What would you like to do? Let's go to the blacksmith. Yeah, I want to... Because, like, you might need arrows. Kits. I need to drop off my axe for a day or two. I need to buy more healer's kits. Right. We'll do a mini shopping montage. But shopping not really. Montage. We We can do... Let's do part of a mini shopping montage. Let's do the blacksmith. If there's any other things you want to shop for while we're in town, let's do that next time. Uh, so, so kind of think about stuff other than the blacksmith. If you want to buy, we'll we'll take care of that next time. Does the blacksmith make armor, or does he just make horseshoes and arrows? You can ask him when you get there. So, you guys go into town. Are you going to go to the blacksmith? The place you saw in town, uh, Carlton, you do know that the Eagle Shields have a blacksmith that they contract for a variety of, of simple things, but he's kind of a, he goes between Waterdeep and here, and so you don't know if that guy is in town, uh, but you did see the uh, blacksmithery in the middle of town. Just uh, Does he have a, does the one that goes between towns, does he have a shop here, or is he just like, mobile? He is mostly mobile, and uh, from what you remember, he basically, he mostly takes care of horse stuff. He's, he makes the finest horseshoes in town, but he does other things. Right. Well, if he, was, if he would be easy to find in town, then I would say go to him, because I could probably get a deal. But if he doesn't have a permanent residence or a spot where I could quickly and easily find him, then I'll just pay market price. Okay, so you guys head on into town. You uh, enter the blacksmith shop. It's small, at least the front of it's small. It looks like this is just kind of the, the front desk, and then the blacksmith is behind. The only person inside is a uh, human female. She seems to be in blacksmith 
form. She's got the leather apron on, muscular. She's got uh, black hair braided down the back that you can kind of smell the smoke off of. She looks up as you guys enter. She's been kind of looking through some forms. And as you guys enter, she she says, what can I help you with? Uh, I was wondering if you guys offer uh, silvering services. Silvering? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've had to do something like that. What what you looking to silver? Uh, I, I say, I would like to have this silvered, and I pull out my great axe and I set it on the counter. <laughs> Coonch! Giant great axe gets set down. She gives it a look. She examines it without touching it too much. It's it's She's treating it with respect. It's not a weapon that she's... That's hers. So she kind of looks it over. Uh, I probably got enough silver to take care of that. It's a pretty big axe. Might take a little while. Might take about two days. You, you willing to stick around? You willing to be without that thing for a while? Uh, I've got it back up. Uh, yes. And I'll pay for it up front, obviously. And if on two days you don't see me, uh, would you be... Can I throw an extra uh, gold in there for you to deliver it to the Eagle Shields? Uh, yeah. I think I can do that. This is not going to be cheap, you know. Silver is kind of hard to come by around here. It's not something that I do very often. And you, but you're going to pay up front, you said. Yeah, I could. Uh, if it's the it's a fair value, then I'm willing to pay up front. Well, I only offer the fairest of value. It's going to be the finest of silvering once I'm done. It may take a little while. It's going to run you about. 450 gold, though, to get this that's done. A, that's, a little, that's a little high there. And not that I'm commenting on your skills, but usually that'll only run you about 100 gold, if my math is correct. It is a big axe, and there's not a lot of people have that much silver in town. All right, how about you only silver one side of the axe for 100 gold? It's a double-bladed axe. Just blade one side. Silver one side for me. Ah, I could, but that's still going to at least be 250. I mean, a lot of this is the the time that it's going to take to actually take care of something like this. Understood, understood. Anything you can do for uh, the heroes that helped uh, bring this, keep this town safe uh, from the Basilisk attack, saved many of the civilians? Go ahead and roll a uh, persuasion check. All right, because I am awesome at this. Come on, roll high. Uh, Ten. She gives you a look and says, I'll... Start to work on it right away? Uh, time is not an, uh, the issue here. The issue is the cost. It's a costly thing that you're asking. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't doubt your what skills. What does silvering do? Can you guys, like, pause this again and tell me what it actually does? Yeah, so there's a lot of monsters that are resistant to non-magical or non-silvered weapons. So, for example, your mace, it's not a magical mace. It's not covered in silver. Hey, and be- so- Kevin is fine. Kevin is fine. Exactly how he is. Kevin is... Kevin is lovely, but Kevin is also very well aware of his limitations, one of which is he is not magical, nor is he silvered. And there are plenty of monsters out in the world that have resistance to weapons that are either not magical or not silvered. So getting an item enchanted is, as Jonathan would tell you, not easy or cheap. And so silvering is a slightly quicker, easier, cheaper way of getting a weapon that is more likely to harm monsters that might have this resistance. Think about, like, in in our world, uh, the the legend of how werewolves can only be killed by silvered bullets. It's that kind of thing. 
So if you don't have the time, the money, and the the power to actually enchant an object, you can get something silvered, and it's kind of a, a stopgap in between. Hmm. You actually just are coding a weapon in silver. And as the blacksmith will, will continue to say, she'll she'll say, listen, this isn't as easy as just dipping your blade in molten silver and letting it cool. If I don't do this correctly, I could ruin your blade. And no, if no, no, completely understood. And I pull out a, a pouch of 100 gold and I slam it, I drop it on the table so it kind of like pours out so she can see all the gold there in front of her. Not as much as she wants, but the fair market value. And I say, I, I, I've traveled uh, Faerun quite a bit, and this seems to be the fair market value for silvering. I just happen to be in your town, and this could be yours for a couple days of work. Plus, I'm pretty sure my compatriots might need some arrows or something, so it wouldn't be the only business we'd be doing here. Well, and I'll talk with your compatriots about the business that they want to do. That's that's a separate thing. As far as the fair market value, if you think you can get it cheaper and as good somewhere else, then you are more than welcome to take your business there the several days travel. And she pushes the pile of gold back towards you and says, but if you want your axe silvered here and done right and done well... It's going to be 250 to get one side, or it's going to be 450 for the whole thing. I can understand a little bit of markup, but four times the cost is pretty high. Well, Even you have to admit that. I, I charge what's fair market value around here, and if you're, not, if you're not from around here and you're upset with those prices, you can go find somewhere else to go get your stuff silvered. Now, 450 I grab my coin, I grab my axe, and I walk out. All right. I'm not paying four times the amount they silver it. <laughs> uh, she looks at the rest of you and says, anything else I can help you with? I did have some arrows destroyed in the recent uh, conflict, so I could have an eye to get those replaced. Don't you have, like, a, a quiver that just makes them? Well, I do, but, like, if I keep using the spell that destroys real... It can't use those... It, the spell that I have, Cordon of Arrows, I can't use those magic arrows. I can only use uh, real arrows. So as I use them, wait, I'll run wait, out wait, of wait, time. wait, 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 wait. Why do you think that? Because that's what it says in the spell. It can't be magic-generated arrows. It has to be real arrows. That's what I saw. Does it seriously say that? Yeah. I could bring it up on... I have your uh, thing saved up, your PDF. Let's take a look here. That seems oddly specific. Yeah. What's the spell again? Cordon of Arrows. Also, oddly like something, if it was me, I'd never bring up. (laughs) Okay, wait. I appreciate that you brought that up, but that seems really weird. Okay, it does say non-magical ammunition. Yeah, so magical arrows wouldn't count. That is weird that that is super specific like that. Well, it just means I gotta replace arrows every now and again. Not an everyday spell. Huh, I wonder if it says that because it only it only does 1d6 piercing damage instead of what your arrows would actually do, which is, in fairness, more than that. But this is the spell, so... Okay, well, you are absolutely right. They need non-magical arrows. She is happy to reach behind the counter and pulls out a quiver of arrows. Uh, yeah, so she pulls out a quiver of just basic arrows. It's got 20 arrows in it. And she says it's 30 for the whole quiver of 20. Done. All right. Oh, she hands you, it's it's a basic quiver, it's nothing special, and it's got 20 arrows in it, you hand over, go ahead and mark off 30 gold pieces. I stormed off. Yeah, you, you you're gone. Yep, you're, I stormed uh, off. She, she nods to you and says, 
Glad to know that at least I can do some business around here without having to hear about being too expensive. Is there anything else I can do for you? Do you have chain... This is an unusual quest, but do you have enough chainmail armor to create some sort of protected coating for a large animal, say, a black bear? <laughs> Shadow next to you goes, mm, and she looks over the counter and down at, at the bear and gives Shadow a very long look. And looks back at you and says, ah, that's going to take a while. Well, you won't be silvering any axes anytime soon. That's true, but that was only going to take a day or two. This is something. That's a custom job. I haven't ever armored a bear before. I mean, I guess I could alter some of the, alter some of the barding from the tufts, try to figure out how to get that to work but uh, he looks pretty large what kind of armor are you looking to get on him oh just your basic chainmail. let me see and she goes over and starts to actually measure shadow like kind of hand with measuring him trying to figure out exactly how large he is so she looks him over and says all right so i think if i grabbed barding off of two different tuft horses and did some some pretty heavy modifications. I think I could come up with something. It's gonna it's probably gonna take a full ten day though. I don't think that's something that I especially since he's gonna wear it. If I do this wrong, it's probably gonna chafe him in the wrong spot, so I might need to, to adjust it a couple of times. She's gonna have to do a lot of sewing too. Oh, a little bit of sewing. Most of this, because it's going to be chain mail, I'd imagine that I'd be able to, to get most of it done. Yeah, but all chain mail armor comes with quilted padding underneath. Yeah, and, and you know, so some of that is what she's she's talking about. Uh, that's probably going to cost you at least 700 gold pieces, and you're going to have to give me a good 10 days. All right, well, we'll hold off on that for now. We'll stick to the arrows. If I, I'll be in town for... I. If I if I have decided I want to go for it, I'll come back. Sounds good. I'm gonna I'm gonna need to get some better measurements on that bear though, if that's if that's the case. And give me give me a heads up. I'll make sure I clear my schedule because that's that's a job and a half, but it could be could be interesting to try. Anything else I can do for you, fine people? You don't happen to have any gnome size armor? Ah, uh, it wouldn't take too much to adjust it. So, you know, an hour or two and I can I can cut down whatever I need in order to, to fit your form. What were you looking for? Something of better than an armor class 14. W what are you currently wearing? Um, what am I currently wearing? I think I'm wearing scale mail. Splint and plate is going to be really the only thing that's going to uh, be heavier than... Well, chainmail might. You Full uh... chainmail. If she's at AC 14... No, chainmail's like a plus three. It, I think the only thing better than scale mail would be uh, one of the plates. Well, scale mail is 14 plus dex. Couldn't I just get better scale mail? Like, isn't that an option? You could You could find uh, enchanted scale mail, although you wouldn't be able to buy it here. You could get it enchanted. And it'd be as expensive as fuck here. Once again, Jonathan probably has a lot more information on enchanting things or finding enchanted stuff. Yeah, I mean, you could go half plate, you could go splint, or you could go full plate. Those would give you a better AC, 
but um, some of those have some strength requirements, and most of those would give you disadvantage on stealth checks. What's so, the strength requirements for them? The half plate doesn't have a strength requirement. The splint and the plate uh, requires at least a strength of 15. What's your strength right I now? I have 14. Half plate meals. So- <laughs> well, we can make it look however you want it to look. I mean, just because it's functional doesn't mean it can't be pretty. And you're proficient in heavy armor, you just happen to be in medium armor right now. I think so. Okay. I didn't know I was in medium armor. I just picked the thing that sounded cool. Yeah, you could go chain, which would make your AC 16, but you would have disadvantage on stealth checks. Basically anything higher than this, that's going to be one disadvantage. And then also to get anything heavier than that, you're going to have to bump up your strength. Yeah. You have other options. Scale mail's already disadvantaged, so it wouldn't be that big of a change. That's true. Um, you have other options. You could think about a shield. I don't, I don't know if you're proficient in shields. You could think about other pieces of armor. What about gauntlets? I would say uh, if you wanted to just get some basic boots or gauntlets or a helmet or greaves, any of those individual pieces, they're going to increase without any other special things they're going to increase your ac by one but they are going to be heavy and you're going to start to see depending on how much you put on you're going to start to see some speed reduction even when riding coco snoot Hmm. i will marinate on this think about it make a plan all right i'm gonna think about i'm gonna think on this the blacksmith nods to you and says armor can be a touchy thing when you know what you want or you want to try on some stuff Come right back. Sounds good. You guys leave the shop as you head back out into the day and rejoin Carlton. We'll stop and we'll shop again next time. Thanks for listening to Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. Follow us on Twitter at Dungeon Drunks or www.libshark.com and see you next encounter. <laughs>